everyday witches emerge from the shadows of secrecy. Broom closets are flinging open and witches are taking flight. Whether you are hiding in your cozy closet or flying with pride, stay for a spell as witch casting with Theodora Pendragon and her guests share magical moments, stir the cauldron and debunk misinformation and misconceptions about paganism, witches and our wonderful world of magic. Hello everyone, I have a special guest today and her name is Dr. Eliza Collins and she calls herself the Burnout Witch. Welcome Dr. Collins. Thank you so much for having me. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a doctor of acupuncture in Eastern medicine based in Rhode Island in the U.S. And I am also certified in functional medicine. I'm certified in hypnosis and I specialize in burnout recovery and psychedelic preparation and integration with a focus on intentional microdosing. Who is your typical client? My typical client is usually somebody who's a little bit crispy and burnt out either from work or from life. That can be parenting, I work with people who are entrepreneurs. That was a part of my personal burnout story. So that's something that I know fairly well. And people who have possibly done a little bit of healing in terms of maybe they've done some therapy or coaching prior and are interested in utilizing psychedelics for their health benefits. Let's talk a little bit about the psychedelics. How does that work? Sure. So in the U.S., it's primarily still illegal. It's decriminalized in some places like Oregon, Colorado, various municipalities in Massachusetts. There's been some very exciting legislation proposed here in Rhode Island, where I am, Connecticut and New York to decriminalize it. But how I got into this was I actually had clients coming to me saying, I already have this stuff and I, I don't know what to do with it and I don't know how to do it safely. Do you know how I can do this safely? And I have a bachelor's degree in chemistry and a master's degree in herbal medicine. So I was kind of uniquely qualified to say, yeah, actually, I, I do understand the science of this. And so a lot of my focus ended up working around harm reduction. So for people who have already accessed this in some way, shape or form, because that's not something that I can give to people, <laughs> it'd be amazing if I could, but you can't just pop psilocybin mushrooms in the mail and, and hope for the best. That's super illegal. Maybe one day you will. <laughs> Maybe it would be amazing. Anyone on the federal government, if you're listening, please feel free to like push that towards the current administration. But yeah, for people who already have it and they, they just don't really know exactly what to do, I, I think so much of what we currently understand about psychedelics hasn't translated over to safe use quite yet. So the people who do utilize it in ways like I do with coaching, or psychedelic-assisted therapy know how to do it, but it's much more accessible and more widespread than our community is currently serving. So one of the things that I started to look at was how can I help people intentionally microdose? Because one of the things that we think about when we take a medication or a supplement like 
you know, an antidepressant or a vitamin D supplement is like, this is something that you take every day and it makes you feel better. And with psychedelics, they actually affect your brain in such a way that it increases neuroplasticity, which is the flexibility of your brain. So how your brain makes new connections, how it can break old connections and how it can change. So Yes, you can take a psychedelic, you know, in a in a microdose and a low dose so that you don't get any of the hallucinogenic effects. You can do that every day and you will feel better. But the real magic happens in being able to do intentional work, mindset work, work on deconstructing and reconstructing coping mechanisms, potentially healing trauma if that's something um that has impacted your life with a trauma-assisted therapist or a trauma-informed coach. Being able to do that type of work while you're microdosing is really where you get the mileage out of that type of health benefit. Does this help people who are drug addicted? There has been very good research in that. And one of the areas that they're looking at, um, I think ketamine right now is the primary medication uh, that falls into that class of psychedelics or psychotropics that is used for addiction. And I believe there are trials for either LSD or psilocybin. I can't remember which one, but yes, addiction is one of the things that they're looking at treating with this, which is really interesting because these things have historically been schedule one controlled substances off limits. And you're like, oh, we're now going to be using this sort of like historically off limits thing to treat other addictions, which is really exciting. It's just like methadone is used to treat people with opiate addiction. Yeah. 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 Do you have many clients looking for this treatment? It's a little bit hit or miss, and it can be kind of tough because sometimes the people who come to me say, okay, I'm really interested in doing this. How do I get the materials? Like, how do I get the mushrooms or or whatever? I, I specifically work with people who are interested in working with psilocybin, which is magic mushrooms. And that's kind of literally the only thing that I can't tell you. I do know that there is a lot of information on the internet. People have found, you know, places to get information about how to safely source this. And that's really the biggest thing is you want to make sure that anything you're taking, anything that you're getting, whether it is a psychedelic, a medication, a supplement, you know, not every vitamin D is equal to every other vitamin D. You want to make sure that you're sourcing your materials as safely as possible. Most of the people that I know that have already done that either know people who have access to these things, or they have found reputable places on the internet to learn about it. What challenges are you facing right now with this treatment method? The biggest thing is access, um, which is why we're so invested in the legal element of moving this forward. So the legislation in Rhode Island is really exciting because it decriminalizes it and it allows you to possess up to 28 ounces or one full ounce. uh, I'm sorry, 28 grams or one full ounce of psilocybin, which is a ton of materials. Like for microdosing, that will last you for ages. Um, and But it's also still a very small amount. So it's a very, you know, reasonable amount. That's also a very effective amount. And it would allow people to grow it in their own homes. So you could get a mushroom growing kit and, you know, a spore container and cultivate it yourself. And you can also gift it to other people. 
So you wouldn't be able to sell it. That would be a type of distribution that would still be considered illegal. But if you had a friend who was like, hey, I'd like to do this and you grow it, you would be able to gift it to them. So this is the type of legislation that we're looking at pushing forward that I really think is going to have a lot of traction in the next few years, simply because there's already precedence for it in other states. And it seems to be working incredibly well, especially given the safety profiles of most psychedelics. I like the name Magic Mushrooms. (laughs) (laughs) It fits kind of nicely with what we're talking about today. It is. And you call yourself the burnout witch. Does that mean that you're a real witch? Yes, it does. I had a very kind of winding path to my witchy ways. So uh, my family was Catholic for people who are listening and can't see me on video. I'm putting it in air quotes. We were Catholic in origin, but my father was a history teacher and he taught world history. And so he taught high school classes about Taoism and Buddhism and Hinduism. And it was really fascinating. So I had the benefit of learning about all of those things at a very young age. He actually taught Taoism to me when I was about six and we were watching Star Wars. And so he said, do you know what the force is? And I said, what? And he said, in real life, it's called the Tao. That was one of the things that George Lucas was inspired by. And I was like, what's Taoism? And so I learned about Taoism at six years old. So I had this really wonderful exposure to world religion and world spirituality and at an incredibly young age with very open-minded parents. And as I got older and started to explore, like, what does spirituality mean to me? Christianity didn't resonate anymore. I think that there are a lot of very lovely things about it, but it kind of didn't sit with my DNA. And so I started to explore, you know, the Wiccan religion and paganism and, you know, various different cultures and how they intersect and, you know, what each one is taken from other places. And I'm not specifically devout in any one particular modality of like magic or spirituality. I do primarily identify with Celtic paganism because I am Irish in origin. I'm Irish American. Um, My last name is Collins. And that's the one that kind of sat nicely with me. It's the one that felt the most natural. So if I do work with guides or anything like that, they do tend to be from the Celtic tradition. Um, And I do try to honor those practices to the best of my ability. But yeah, I'm also interested in just the general metaphysical. I think you can be a metaphysical witch too, which I love. And so that's sort of the, the stream that I flow in now. You're very eclectic. Yeah. <laughs> Taking things from different traditions and making it, yeah. And and trying as best to honor them, you know, like when I, when I smudge, I don't use white sage because I understand that that's indigenous, you know, sacred to the indigenous people of the United States and to various other cultures. So I try and utilize local plants and plants that are more connected to my Celtic heritage. So I might use a local cedar because we have a lot of that and we have access to it and it's, you know, sustainable and um, more in alignment and doesn't appropriate from other cultures. So I do try to be mindful of that within my witchiness. You're very fortunate that your father exposed you to these different religions. Yeah, it was a really, really cool way to grow up. I was just talking to somebody about that earlier today. We had like a coffee connection on Zoom and they had grown up in sort of a very, I don't think rigid is the right word for it, but very, um, very structured kind of Christian, like anything outside of that. Um, They went into sort of a science background and they were like, oh my gosh, like, 
looking at the genome, you know, science science is God. God is science. It's not, you know, mutually exclusive. It's almost mutually inclusive. And they had shared this idea with some family and the family was like, oh, that's blasphemy. Oh, really? Yeah. So being able to be in a house that was like, oh, yeah, no, there's there's all this stuff out in the world and it's super cool. And whatever one you align with, as long as you're not hurting anybody else, you know, find out, go explore, play, learn. Learning was a big thing in my household. So I had a lot of a lot of flexibility and a lot of freedom in that space where I think a lot of people probably didn't. But my dad is also just very interested in people and and life and cultures. So it was it was a really great way to grow up. I was very fortunate. Is your father Catholic? Again, he was sort of raised in that as well, but we were of that generation where, you know, he made he was made to go to church every Sunday by my grandmother when she was alive and he was like zero stars, do not recommend. So, he took us on holidays and he was very encouraging if we wanted to go. You know, I went through a phase in probably my mid-teens I did get confirmed. So I think it was right after my confirmation that I really like put the effort in and I was like, okay, like I want to see what what being a good Catholic means to the people around me, how that resonates with me. And so my stepmom would go to church with me during that time. And so they were very supportive of my exploration of it, but it wasn't something that they were kind of stuck on themselves, so to speak. Have you had any responses from people when you tell them you are the burnout witch? <laughs> uh, aside from the occasional person who's like, I would love everything about it except for the witch part. Uh, most of the time, people think it's uh, pretty cool. Um, I've gotten a lot of positive response to the branding, and it's been very interesting for me because that was a little nerve wracking for me to sort of come out that way because I do also read tarot cards, and I've read tarot cards myself for 20 years. And a few years ago, I think it was 20, I think it was during the pandemic like October of 2020, when one of my good friends and colleagues in like the burnout sphere and acupuncture suggested that I start reading tarot for other people. And I had never done that. She's like, you should make this a part of your work. It's something you're clearly passionate about. So I did. And it turned out I was like, oh, I'm like actually really good at this. And this is fun. And the way that I integrate it into my work isn't so much, I, I don't use it so much as a divination tool. I use it as a thought exercise. Because with tarot, you know, the deck represents various circumstances and archetypes and, and life experiences, and it's the fool's journey. There, every card can in some way relate to people's lives. So when I pull a spread, if I'm working with a client, whether it's a burnout client or an acupuncture client, you know, even if they don't ask a specific question, I didn't think that I would like just doing general readings, but I actually like that better. I'm like, the less information you give me, the cooler this is going to be for both of us. So I'll lay out a spread and it's like reading a different story every time. And as I go through that, I'll say, okay, these five cards came up and this is what I'm getting off of that, you know, with, with what I know about the cards and just kind of what I'm feeling. How does that resonate with you? Where does this idea show up in your life? Does it show up in your life? Do we need to take it in a different direction? And invariably, it's, it's on point somewhere for them. And oftentimes, I've worked with several clients now who say, you know, I, I came in for a, like a tarot coaching session. So we do a coaching session, but we start it with a tarot reading. And they're like, I came in with these questions, but we ended up completely going out into left field, focusing on a totally different subject. And that's what I really needed. And that's what was underneath the stuff that I was thinking about. And so we actually, it allows us to get 
off of the surface level of, oh, I'm stressed out about work or I'm struggling with my kids or whatever the case may be, and really dig into what's happening. And so it was that sort of marriage of my medicine, my medical background, and my tarot reading that resulted in me becoming the burnout witch. Um, and it's been incredibly, incredibly support, well supported by the community. Do you ever read your own tarot cards? I do. I still like getting them read by other people. I do too. So, and it depends. If I'm not in a super like emotionally heightened state, I can read them. But if I'm really struggling in a moment, I'm like, okay, I just, I know I'm going to be look either looking for the meaning that I want and not what's actually here, or I'm just going to pull the, the tower and get really upset. So, like, <laughs> Which the tower is actually one of my favorite cards uh, now. But 20 years ago, I would get it in every spread. And I was like, the world is falling apart. Yeah. So, but sometimes our yeah. world needs to fall apart to take us to another direction. It does. And that's kind of what I found. So now when it comes up in readings for people, I'm like, oh, you're going to have so much new stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so many new things are going to happen for you. What I tend to do is I'll spread my cards and Oh, I don't like that one. I'm going to redo that. Now, let's let's just push these aside. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do a redo. <laughs> Cherry picking. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, uh, one of my favorite things to do is I like um, one of my cats loves the texture of like tarot cards and certain types of paper, wrapping paper, stuff like that. So I'll lay the deck out and I'll kind of just mash it up on the bed and then she'll stand on it and she'll run on it and <laughs> just spit cards out. And I'll pull the cards out as they come out, and then I'll lay it out, and I'll just be like, "Wow, this is this is really that's your reading. This is like an oracle right now. It's it's cat tarot." One of my friends asked me, she goes, "Do you think you can get her to do that on demand? Because people will pay for that." I was like, "Yeah, no, it's totally random." <laughs> that is really cool, cat tarot. It would be great if I could like train her to do that and be like, "You get honeydew tarot." <laughs> her name is Honeydew. Oh, so. that's cute. You could do a whole YouTube channel on that. I could, I could. The burnout witch and her familiar is tarot. <laughs> so. That's cute. What do most people misunderstand about your work? I think they tend to think that like burnout witch, it's almost a little too esoteric. And sometimes, particularly with burnout, because it's no longer quite in the buzzword phase. You know, we talk about it a lot more as a culture, but we're still not really clear on what it means. So a lot of times people who listen to podcasts that I recommend about burnout or podcasts that I've been on about burnout, they're like, oh, I don't know if this is me, like, because it's become such a, a cultural given, I think almost that like we're, we expect to feel this way, that people don't realize that they're burnt out until you listen to a podcast and you're like, oh, that's me. That's me oh, crap. Oh, you know. And so a lot of people don't necessarily realize that they're in burnout. And burnout recovery and burnout prevention aren't the same thing. So for people who are deeply into burnout, you need recovery, which is very different from prevention. And most of the tools that we've talked about up to this point and the things that we hear about that are good for burnout, like meditation or eating clean and getting sugar out of your diet or getting more sleep or exercising. A lot of these things aren't accessible to people in burnout because their system is so fatigued that they can't exercise or they have, you know, chronic inflammation in their body or they have a chronic infection like Lyme disease. I live in the Northeast. Everyone has Lyme disease. <laughs> um, everyone is probably a stretch, but uh, maybe not. 
So, you know, not treating those things and not approaching it from that perspective of healing a body and a brain in a way that's accessible to it before you try and do more advanced things like eat clean, exercise, and, you know, that type of work. Uh, Meditate, you know, I, I couldn't meditate to save my life in the middle of burnout. So that was something that it took time for me to be able to access. Um, So I had to do guided meditations and yoga nidras and things that supported me through that process, kind of like having floaties in a pool. You know, that's sort of what burnout recovery is until you can get to a point where you don't need the floaties because you can swim. So that's also probably one of the biggest misconceptions. And then again, you know, burnout, which sounds quite esoteric. When I tell people I do tarot, they're like, oh, you're going to tell my future. I'm like, no, but I'm going to clear it up for you. I'm going to help you clear through the junk that's preventing you from getting to the future you want. So yeah, those are probably probably the biggest places where the misunderstandings come into play. And quite often people don't know when they're burned out. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I just thought I was, you know, in a, in a bad phase with work. And I talked to my colleague about uh, she had started some very successful acupuncture practices in like places where she didn't even speak the language and became hugely successful. And I had gone through a phase where uh, one of my primary referral points, uh, an organization that I contracted with, they were restructuring internally. So they stopped referring clients out for a while. And that was about half of my patient base. And so it gutted my, my business. So I kind of messaged her in a very like masked kind of frenzy. I was just like, hi, you met me a couple of months ago. I'd be super interested in getting some information on how you ran a really successful acupuncture practice because I'm dying over here. (laughs) And she got back to me. She said, oh, you're burnt out. So I'm going to help you with that. And that will help you rebuild your acupuncture practice. You have a very eclectic practice. I do. Yes. Uh, I, I collect continuing education. That was actually a part of imposter syndrome for a long time because I didn't feel like I knew enough. So I was like, I have to go out and get this new skill or do this new thing. And, you know, when COVID hit, it was almost like um, I was about a year into my burnout recovery. And oh, not even, I don't think I was like six months or so into my burnout recovery. And I kind of decided that I wasn't going to do any continuing education that I didn't need for credits. You know, as a as an acupuncturist and as a um, medical professional, you have to do a certain number of continuing education credits. I wasn't going to go above and beyond that because I had been collecting that for so long, trying to be enough. It took me a little while to sort out my my inner workings to be like, oh, I am enough just the way I am. And so I did what I absolutely had to do as far as sort of the bare minimum was concerned. And I'm just back at a point now where I looked into the concept of continuing education and something that I was actually interested in doing that I do think will be valuable for my business. But I I took a beat and I was like, am I actually, do I actually need this? And do I want to do it? And the answer was yes, in both instances. So I felt okay with it. But yeah, that's, that's kind of how I got everything wrapped up in there. (laughs) What are three unique skills that have helped you become successful? Hmm. I, can I curse on here? Sure. Okay. Um, three unique skills that have helped me become successful. One is that I'm very good at translating esoteric into understandable concepts. So in Chinese medicine, in my acupuncture and Chinese medicine background, we talk about qi. We talk about qi a lot. 
we don't have a good translation for the word chi. Like chi is a single word, but it is actually a concept. And it is a part of Eastern culture. And we don't think about language the same way in the West. So we don't have a good word for it because it's not a one-to-one translation. So it was historically kind of translated as energy, which does seem very esoteric, but it's a very practical thing. So if you are riding your bike in China and you get a flat tire and you need to get air in your tire and you go to fill it at the, the station, you say, Buchi, it doesn't have chi. It doesn't have function. And so when I would talk to people about the cardiovascular system, the substance of our system is our heart, our vessels, our blood, all of the things that make up our cardiovascular system, the things we can see, the things we can touch. The chi of your cardiovascular system is the action of your heart beating, the movement of the blood in the vessels, the ability of the vessels to contain the blood, to keep it in the right place, to have the strength and the flexibility to do that. That is the chi of the cardiovascular system. And this is a very, this is a simplification. This is still probably butchering the concept a little bit because I did not grow up in an Eastern culture, but it's the best way that I was able to conceptualize it. And it's the best way that I've been able to translate that to people. I can do that with pretty much everything because I'm so interested in it that I'm very invested in making sure that people can understand in a way that's meaningful for them and that helps them and that allows them to have agency in deciding, okay, this is something that I want to do, or it's not something I don't want to do, or it's not something I want to do. Because I think so much of the time, particularly with interventions and potentially esoteric interventions, something like tarot that may be off-putting to some people, or they might be like, isn't that, you know, dark witchcraft or dark magic or, you know, it's being able to explain it in a way that gives them a sense of comfort to be able to say, oh, that sounds neat. I'd like to try that. Or, oh, that's still not really my speed. It gives people a sense of agency. And so that's something that I think has helped make me successful because it's helping people understand. It's not just helping them know, it's helping them learn. And that's been really, really important. I endeavor to have a very good sense of humor (laughs) and I'm very curious. So as I have embodied my curiosity, I've become somebody who tends to ask more questions than make statements. And that's very valuable in working with my clients because my job is not to tell you what to do. My job is to help clarify things so that you understand how to make the right choices for yourself. So that's been very useful. And then honestly, just my life experience and the fact that that curiosity translates into a life that can generally be summed up by the phrase, fuck around and find out. Um, (laughs) So I moved to Rhode Island and started a business and didn't know a single person, assuming that this was things, something that a lot of people did. People go places and start businesses all the time. And the more I talked to people, they were like, "Mm, no, they don't. And that has happened so many times in my life and given me so many interesting and useful experiences that you know, I am, I am absolutely a student of the school of life and I value that so much and being able to take those experiences, whether they've been difficult or challenging or meaningful and translate that into something that helps other people has been really critical for my success because it allows me to live honestly and living with that kind of honesty gives people a sense of, I think the ability to trust 
what you're saying and how you're showing up for them. So yeah, I think those are some of my biggest strengths in that area. Most of the witches I know are either in education or the healing professions. Have you noticed that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And I think there's so much overlap there because true healing professions are teaching positions. Again, it is not my job to fix you. Do acupuncture needles help? Absolutely. Do herbs and supplements help? Absolutely. But they are not the cure-all. They are the vehicles that get you to the place where you are able to make healthier choices or live a healthier life. Or if the acupuncture helps deal with pain, getting you more active or being able to stretch more or do more. So teaching people how to live healthy lives, very, very similar track to people who go into education. The burnout witch really caught my attention when I saw you online. and. There was this energy about you, and I thought, this lady needs to be on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much. I would call you the inspiring witch. Ah, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. That's incredibly kind, and that's, that's what I hope to do for people. You know, it's not about necessarily working with me, although I do love to work with people, and if anybody listening is interested, I'm absolutely happy to. Find me on Instagram, DM me, but it's about inspiring people to take whatever next step is right for them. Let's talk about how the listeners can find you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm primarily active on Instagram. I have a TikTok, but I'm older millennial slash young Gen Z or uh, Gen X, so I'm not great at using it. Uh, but my handles on both of those are The Burnout Witch. And you can find me on my website at www.theburnoutwitch.com. That's very simple. It is. Yeah, those are the, the primary places that I'm active. You can email me or contact me through my website. I like keeping it fairly simple because then I don't have 900 different streams of contacts to go through and nobody gets missed. So simplicity is key. <laughs> that was part of my burnout recovery. Don't have 200 modes of access. Is the signage on your practice the burnout witch? Uh, on my physical practice, no. My acupuncture practice is actually called the East West Company. Um, so the physical building is that, but I do, I just ordered a sign for my suite that does have the burnout witch on it, which I'm really excited about. You live on the East Coast. I do. You probably are in a really good location for people to accept that you are the burnout witch. Yes, I am actually only about an hour and 15 minutes south of Salem. One of my favorite places. I prefer to go in the summer, the spring and the summer. So this is like my high holy season for visiting Salem because it's a little less crowded. But it is amazing in October, uh, late September and early October. If you have the opportunity to go, it's utterly gorgeous. It's so much fun. And yes, we are a, we are definitely a witchy people up here. So it's always it's Halloween year round in my heart. I understand though. If you go in September and October, it's quite touristy. It's mayhem. If you if you can manage, like I, I run my own business, so I might go up on like a Wednesday, which is what I usually do if I want to go up. I'll go up on like a Wednesday in September. That's This is my little secret. If you're going to be coming up in this area, take a week, enjoy the rest of Massachusetts, go to Salem on a Wednesday. Um, but yeah, yeah, it uh, gets, gets kind of nuts. I used to live in Massachusetts when I was in the military. I lived, well, it was Fort Devens, Massachusetts, which is near Fitchburg and Lemonster. 
Yep. Yep. I know those areas well. Yeah. And I used to go to Salem. It wasn't as touristy back then. That was back in the 80s. It's gotten it's gotten like the the Samantha statue and and all of that stuff. But there is a great little shop. It's my favorite place in Salem, and it's called Emporium Thirty Two. And it's got a vintage feel. Um, they have a lot of custom work that you can't find anyplace else. It's really amazing. So definitely hop on there. And I do live on the East Coast, but I work remotely. So if anywhere you are in the world listening to this, if you want to work with me, I am able to do that. I do most of my coaching over Zoom. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever met Lori Cabot? No, I haven't. Have you been to her store? Well, wait, have I been? The name is really familiar, so maybe I have. She's the official witch of Salem. Yeah. I think we tried to go, but it was fall, and it was like absolute mayhem. Because I've been there a few times in the last couple of years. We take my parents up every time they come to visit. So it's like, you know, the hot spots that we've hit, the restaurants that we go to, eat at Adriatic if you have a chance. It's amazing. But yeah, no, I think I had wanted to go in there and the lines were just crazy. There's another shop up there um, called, uh, is it House Witch? That I think at one point they were like, you had to go by appointment. The lines were so crazy. So <laughs> it was, yeah, it's been getting really nutty. Well, thank you, Dr. Eliza Collins, the Burnout Witch, for being a guest on this show. And it's been a real treat. Oh, it's been awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for Witch Casting with Theodora Pendragon. Have a burning question or have a topic you'd love Theodora and her guests to discuss on the show? Contact her through Instagram at Theodora Pendragon. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next one. And help us spread the word by leaving us a rating and review and sharing it with your friends. See you next time, and may your magic always shine.